Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am really thankful to have you here with us today. And hey, I have a quick announcement before uh, we dive into today's topic. I want to let you know about two things, the first of which is that I'm actually going to be speaking at a conference in Oklahoma City called Hope Arise in November. It's November 8th through the 10th or 11th. And um, it is an unbelievable lineup of speakers. I'm actually deeply humbled and, and, and honored to be included on the list. And our goal for this time is to do a couple of things. Number one, we are wanting to really establish patterns of hope in people. I don't know about you, but lately I've just been feeling like I need this as well. I need to be reminded of uh, who God really is and and pursuing the hope that we have in him. But we're also going to be doing a lot of ministry, a lot of prophetic ministry, a lot of um, healing ministry, this kind of stuff. And it's just going to be an amazing time. So the conference developers gave me a promo code to give to you. So if you are interested, you can travel to Oklahoma City for this conference, or if you live locally in this area, um, you can come as well. It is at Crestwood Vineyard Church, and it is called Hope Arise. And if you go on their website, if you go to the Hope Arise website, you can actually enter the code Rachel Wartman. And it'll give you a discount there um, for signing up under my name. Uh, Just a little gift from me to you. I hope you can make it. Even if you are able to come just for a short period of it, it's going to be an amazing, amazing time. The other thing I wanted to make mention of is that I'm actually uh, beginning to compile a list of emails for a newsletter, and we're going to be sending out, I believe at the moment, uh, our plan is to have it be a monthly email where uh, it's a devotional thought kind of thing, not something that's going to flood your inbox. Listen, I just have to be honest between you and me. I get so many emails. I have to go through so many emails that just drive me un you know, just bonkers. They drive me up the wall. And so I promise to you, I pledge to you that I would never do that to you. But if you're on the email list, you'll get access to some of the information that might get lost in the algorithms of social media. So I've got a new book that's coming out soon and we'll be doing some pre-ordering kind of stuff with that. We'll be doing some freebies related to that. Just some exciting uh, launching material with the book. We've got some other opportunities that are coming up as well for uh, the ministry that, that my husband and I have called Goodness Culture. And so being on the newsletter is a great way to stay in the loop about that in a very unaggressive, um, non-intrusive way straight to your email. So if you're interested in doing that, you can go to rachelwartman.com, R-A-C-H-E-L, uh, wartman.com, and uh, there's a link on there that you can subscribe to the newsletter. And so if you're interested in doing that, I would highly recommend it. It'd be a great way for me to be able to keep in touch with you. Okay, so today we are actually going to be diving into a really interesting topic. We're going to be talking about the two types of spiritual warfare. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I think about that phrase, sometimes I think, wait a second, there's only one type of spiritual warfare, right? It's what the devil, you know, how the devil comes against us. But did you know that biblically speaking, there's another kind of spiritual warfare? So today we're actually going to look at these two types of spiritual warfare and we're going to kind of break them down because they require two completely different strategies to overcome them. 
If we're not careful, we can mash them into one category and we can actually be stuck in a cycle of torment or a cycle of battle um, unnecessarily. Because the Bible is clear, even though the terms that sort of today's American Charismatic Church uses is a little less clear. So let's talk about these two types of spiritual warfare. Well, the first one is the most obvious. It's the one where we are fighting against the realm of the enemy. So, you know, we would call this like Ephesians 6 talks about um, rulers, cosmic powers uh, of the air, principalities, uh, territorial spirits, these types of things, and actually demons themselves. Now, you might be wondering why I, I mentioned it in that way. Well, my personal belief, and again, as always, you're absolutely free to disagree with me on this, but my personal belief is that the demons are different than the powers and rulers of the air. I actually believe that demons are possessing spirits. Their goal is to actually enter into human bodies. They, they want to live out their life from within a human body. And they like to do this through um, coming through open doors where when we engage in witchcraft and uh, demonic rituals of, you know, seances or uh, what are they called? Ouija boards, um, stuff like that. They, um, you know, that's how the enemy likes to come into us when we have unforgiveness, when we have bitterness in our heart. These are open doors that the enemy wants to come in. Now, their goal is to possess you. But when you are possessed by Jesus, when when you have Jesus living inside of you, they can't actually possess you. Um, but they do like to oppress you. They like to kind of stick like goo onto your physical form, causing all kinds of stuff. We can have demons that are causing sickness in the body. We can have demons that are causing night terrors. We can have demons that are oppressing, causing um, mental disorders. We can have demons that are causing um, you to, to act and behave in a way that, that you don't actually want to, you know, doing things that you feel a little bit out of control in. Now, I'm also saying uh, it's important to note that sickness, night terrors, some mental things uh, are not actually caused by demons, but sometimes they are. And demons are uh, a category of the spiritual warfare that we have, but they're not the the fullness of it. We cannot forget about what Ephesians tells us with the rulers and the powers of the air. My personal opinion, and I believe I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that um, you know, the principalities, for example, we kind of like to group them into that. I think there's more uh, terms than just that because Ephesians is a pretty exhaustive list in that chapter six passage. But these cosmic powers, I don't think they're trying to possess people. I actually believe they're trying to um, create strongholds in your mind through systems of belief that are actually anti-God's ways. And we talked about this a little bit uh, when, in the three ways the spirit of religion is trying to influence you episode. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, the category of spiritual warfare, this is what we're referencing. These are our issues in life that are fueled by the demonic realm, whether that's, you know, whatever category of demon you want to call it, whatever uh, force of darkness you want to reference. That's what spiritual warfare is. So when a believer is engaged in spiritual warfare, it is something of a, a, a power out there that's coming against them to suppress them, to oppress them, to diminish them, to try and harm their ability to follow through with the plan of God for their life. That's sort of the bedrock essence of spiritual warfare. The spiritual forces of darkness, they they long, they love to oppress the people of God because it allows them to get back at God, right? We know the Bible says that they don't have a chance for redemption. Uh, God closed the option for them to repent and come back into their their godlike state, their, their purified state, um, and they don't have that option anymore. And so because of that, or maybe probably 
you know, this is just one factor. But because of that, they love to oppress the people of God because that is a great way they can actually get to God. They can get to his heart is through you. So spiritual warfare, you and I are probably accustomed to thinking about it like this. Um, you know, we, we interact with the demonic realm in some degree and we engage in a battle. But biblically speaking, there's actually another type of spiritual warfare that you and I need to understand, and that is the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5 tells us that in verse 17, that the, the flesh is at war with your spirit. So when you are born again, when you give your life to Jesus, you are actually born again by the water in baptism and the spirit of God. And when that happens, you actually become a new creation. You are not just a human being. You are essentially like a, a hybrid being where you have this godlike component to you. I am not at all saying that godlike component is, is like a deity or something like that. What I'm saying is it is the likeness of Christ at work with you. It is the part of you that has been joined to Jesus so that Jesus becomes evident in your life. And you are this new creation. So your spirit gets born again and joined with the spirit of God. Your body becomes the temple of God. And in this moment, in, in, this, in this way of life, you actually um, can live by your spirit. And, and we should. This is a phenomenal way to live. But just because you're born again does not mean that you are living by your spirit. Truth be told, this is something I actually was a little bit confused about for a while in my journey uh, with the Lord, because I just kind of thought, well, then living by the Spirit should be automatic. But that's not actually what the Bible says. The Galatians, Romans, um, uh, and other passages, I believe 1 Corinthians talks about this a little bit too. Paul is basically writing to believers saying, look, stop living by your flesh. So that means that it's possible as a believer to live by our flesh. God had a very specific opinion about the flesh. He actually decided that it was not redeemable. He decided that nothing could fix it, and the best thing to do would be to just kill it. He crucified it, actually. Your flesh was put onto Jesus when Jesus died. You actually died with him. That part of you actually died with him in a future tense. Uh, he died as though he was you. That's what the Bible says. And so your flesh has been crucified. When, when we get baptized... We go into the water and we are buried with him in baptism, right? That's why we say that is because you are entering into his death to emerge as the new creation that he has made you to be by the water of his spirit so that now you can live from your spirit, which is connected to his. So when you and I go about our life, sometimes we find ourselves in a spiritual war. We have spiritual warfare but it's actually our own battle against our flesh. Uh, the best way I can explain this would be that your flesh is a, a wee bit like a zombie. Your flesh doesn't want to stay dead. It, it's like a cat with nine lives, right? It, it, it keeps creeping up from time to time, reaching out from the grave, trying to see if you'll give it a hand to pull it out of the dirt. You and I, we've been graced by God to be able to reject the flesh and no longer live by it. But the reality is sometimes it gets a hand on us and it pulls us down back into the dirt with it. So when we find ourselves at war with our flesh, we find ourselves in a spiritual war that's completely unlike spiritual warfare in the sense that we're most accustomed to think about. I want to submit something to you. Both 
are equally as harmful. Both are equally as detrimental to your life. And you need a good plan of how you're going to overcome and ultimately how you're going to identify what the warfare you're experiencing actually is. Chris Valentin actually has a really good teaching where he talks about the three types of trials that we go through. And he mentions two of them that I think are important for us to note. The first one is we do go through trials that are spiritual warfare where the enemy is actively coming against us. And the other trial that we go through is the, the, the results of our own actions, the consequences to our actions that create what appears to be a trial. And the third one that he mentions is when God is actually refining us and it feels very difficult. We're going through a, a trial of sorts, but it's actually God's pruning. And his challenge in this, which I think is, is very wise, is that we learn to distinguish the source so that we know how to maneuver ourselves through what we're going through. The same is true for the warfare. We need to distinguish, is the warfare we're experiencing the result of the enemy actually coming against us, or is it the result of our flesh coming up? So how can you tell? Well, let's just look a little bit about what happens with the flesh. So Galatians 5 gives us this incredible example. I think right now this might be my favorite um, chapter in the Bible. I just love it so much. So Galatians 5, he starts to talk about the difference between the flesh and the spirit and how the flesh is always, let's look at verse 17, for the sinful nature, the flesh is always desired to be opposed to the spirit um, there in the spirit never wants to do what the flesh wants to do. Um, okay. So when we go down into what it actually looks like for the flesh to be at work in your life, listen to this list. Um, it's clearly evident. That's what the Bible says. Sexual immorality, impurity sensuality, which the Amplified Bible defines as total irresponsibility or lack of self-control. For uh, They didn't really have pornography back then, but we would probably group this into that. Uh, going down the list, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies to so be like cults or like you know breaking off a denomination that's actually not not biblically accurate envy drunkenness riotous behavior and other things like these so if you are having um let's let's talk about it in the realm of like lust if you're having issues in the category of lust you're having a spiritual war of your flesh it might be um, connected to a demonic assignment against your life, but ultimately the way you overcome that is different than just casting something out. Now, maybe lust is a bad example because in some, in some instances we can just cast it out. But here's what I think is interesting. How many of you, and this might be painful to consider, how many of you would say, yeah, one or two of the things on that list or more are currently at work in my life? If that's true, then I would say to you that you have a spiritual war going on. If there's envy and jealousy in your life, your flesh, the flesh zombie has reached out from the grave and is trying to pull you down. If there is divisive behavior happening in you, this is the fruit that the flesh produces. So how do we resist the flesh? It's different than how we resist the devil. They're actually two different things. Yes, they can cross-pollinate, right? Yes, your flesh can be empowered by the enemy, but also not always. 
This is like a huge distinction because if you go around just trying to cast out every little thing going on in your life, you're going to be in a struggle for a long time. Why? Because the way you deal with your flesh is not how you deal with the devil and the darkness, the powers of darkness. Your flesh, this is what God decided, that your flesh was not redeemable. It just needed to be killed. So how do we step out of the flesh? We ignore it. We, we, we shut it down. We put it in the grave and we start throwing dirt on top of it. We don't try to redeem it. We don't try to justify it. We don't try to make it look prettier like Weekend at Bernie style where we're just carrying around a dead body, but we're, we're, we're trying to pretend like he's still alive. We don't do that. With the things of our flesh, we'd say no and we walk away because we know theologically they, they should not be allowed to affect us. They don't have to. We're not powerless to that. We have total control. This is so interesting. The Holy Spirit, the the Galatians 5 goes on to talk about what are the fruits that happen when somebody is living life by the Spirit of God. We we make it a jingle from Sunday school class, and so we actually kind of diminish the impact that the fruits of the Spirit really have. But think about this. When the the life of the Holy Spirit of God is at work in your life, one of the things it produces is self-control. And when you have self-control, you can withstand and reject any temptation that your zombie flesh is trying to throw at you. The Holy Spirit actually produces that into you. It produces peace where the, where the, the flesh actually creates a, a spiritual war that's divisive, that's envious, that's jealous. When the Spirit of God is at work in your life, it produces peace in that place. So we're not just trying to cast out our flesh and our bad decisions. We're actually just abandoning them. We're burying them, not in the darkness as if, you know, I'm not saying don't confess them. That's not what I mean. I'm saying we're not empowering them. We're not allowing them to have a hold over us. Um, I, I used to have a relationship with fits of anger, as that list says. Uh, and, and maybe on occasion I still do. But in those moments, right, what I'm doing is I'm giving up my self-control and letting rage come out instead. And rage often feels satisfying for a moment. It it feels good for a moment until you start thinking about what you're doing, thinking about how the spirit of God wanted to handle that situation and, and what you did wrong. So what do you do? You repent, you confess, and you bury it again. Look, that's not me. I'm not entering into that. What happens if it is you? You're doing this so much that it is a part of you. Well, you need the life of the spirit in you. You need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to live by his spirit so that his spirit produces love and joy and peace. His spirit begins to produce patience in you, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So we're not just casting out all of our bad behavior. We're actually abandoning it and entering into the realm of the spirit so that God's life can how do we handle spiritual warfare when it's demonically inspired, when it's being fueled by a power of darkness? Well, we do that differently. We put on our full armor of God, like Ephesians tells us. We resist the devil. And what does it say? He will flee from us. We resist him. We, we cast him out if he's present. In my home, people regularly comment. We have a lot of people over at our home a lot. We do a lot of ministry from our house. And people will comment a lot. Wow, your home feels so peaceful wow, it's, there's so much rest in this place. Like it, it feels so peaceful. And, you know, it might be the color on the walls and some of those things might attribute to that. But you know what they're feeling? They're feeling a no demonic zone. They're, they're feeling the effects of a darkness-free atmosphere. 
because my husband and I regularly cast out anything that tries to come in. We regularly, you know, metaphorically paint this place with the peace of Christ. We, we take authority over the land that we're on. We take authority over the atmosphere that we live in, and we create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is free to be in this place. And the devil is resisted in that. So when we fight spiritual warfare of the demonic variety, we are casting out, we are praying, we are um, standing in our authority, we are contending with Jesus, right? We're doing all of these things, and um, they're really, really important. But it's totally different than how we engage in the war on our flesh. So let's just talk just for a quick minute about temptation just as we wrap this up. You might be thinking, well, how does temptation play a role in this? James tells us that temptation is is like the seedbed to sin, right? I'm paraphrasing there. But temptation is where sin begins. It begins in our mind. And I want to say to you that I think there are two types of temptation as well. I believe there are temptations like uh, what Ephesians says is the fiery darts of the enemy. They are like when when the devil goes fishing and he drops a lure down into you to see if he can catch something of your spirit. This would be maybe like a betrayal. This would be, um, you know, a pop-up ad of something inappropriate. This would be, um, you know what it's like, uh, a rejection. The, the enemy goes fishing in your life to try to get a foothold so that he can come in. There are temptations that start with that. But there are also temptations that, that come from the pattern of our life. See, our brain doesn't get born again because our brain is, is a body part, right? So we are born again when we come to faith, but like our physical body, I mean, okay, yes, it gets born again, but, but it's, it's not only of God at that point. Our, our human flesh, I'm not talking about the spiritual flesh, but our human flesh is the house of both the, the flesh and the spirit. And so your brain is a body part. It's an organ. It, it works, you know, a little bit more complexly than your heart or your liver or your stomach, but it has a pre-programmed algorithm that it operates on. And the way the brain is designed to work is to keep you doing the things that you want to do. The statistics say that you actually live about 80 to 90 percent of your life from your subconscious. The decisions you make, how you drive home, the way you take to work, the breakfast you eat every day, where you go when you're hungry, where you go when you're sad. The patterns of your life are born out of your subconscious. And in the wisdom of God, in the grace of God, he actually designed that to be patterns that can be disrupted. But hear me when I say that if you are trying to come out of envy, for example, when you you listen and you go, okay, Rachel, I hear you. Envy is a byproduct of the flesh. And so therefore it's, it's not good. I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't have that going on in my life. When you begin to feel envious, there's a couple things happening. Number one, there's a maybe a temptation from the enemy, maybe, to keep you back in your flesh. But number two, you have developed a pattern of how to feel when you're faced in certain circumstances. Let me give you an example. When you scroll Instagram and you see this really beautiful person that has the life that you want, you have programmed yourself, you've patterned because of the habitual choices that you've made to feel envy. And so when you come out of the flesh, when you go back onto Instagram, your brain is going to go, oh, I know I'm going to fire up this feeling because that's what she always likes to think. We could say this with any habitual sin in our life, any habitual pattern, it, it, the, the brain actually will try to keep you in that place. Not because the brain is evil, 
The brain is not, it, it just is an organ. It's just doing what it was designed by God to do. But here's what's beautiful. When you redeem that part of your mind, when you learn to live by the spirit, your brain will keep you going back to the spirit. Your brain will be what tells you you're starting to feel down. You need to go turn on worship music. Your brain will be what tells you, you know, you need to you, you need to confess that to somebody because the last five times you've confessed that you felt a lot better and I'm developing this new pattern for you. So it's not a bad system, but it's a system that needs to be addressed and interrupted because temptation can sometimes come in the form of your subconscious reminding you of who you used to be. So how do we how do we disrupt that? Well, we repent, we confess, and we ask the Lord to help us have the strength to make a different choice. After you've made the new choice a couple of times, your brain starts to get the picture. But here's the thing. After a while, this is actually neuroscience. After a while, that old thought will come back because your brain is kind of doing like a clean sweep and going, oh, you haven't done this in a while. Let me see if you still like this. Are you still like this? And it fires a thought at you. And you might be like, oh, no, it's on. The devil is, you know, casting a hook in me. And it might actually be that your brain is trying to look and see, do you still think this way? Do you still reject this thought? Is this, you know, can we get rid of this altogether? And if you will re-empower that thought by thinking about it, grabbing it, maybe even doing it, acting on that sin, then your brain goes, okay, good. She still likes this. Let's keep it around. But if you'll resist that, stepping into the life of the spirit again, the brain will push that even farther out as a pattern because it recognizes this is not who you are anymore. It's fascinating stuff, guys. I think this is why we are compelled to live by the Spirit of God. When we are born again, the Spirit of God actually redeems our mind, but it doesn't always happen in one moment. It's not like when we come out of the water of baptism, immediately we're completely fine. It takes a little bit of time to reorchestrate our life around the Holy Spirit, but it's absolutely worth doing. So you've just found the two types of spiritual warfare that you engage in, maybe even without knowing it, the warfare of your flesh versus your spirit and the warfare that the enemy is inspiring in your life. I just want to encourage you, you can overcome both of these battlegrounds. You can have victory over both of them. You are not subject to anything um, that you don't want to submit yourself to. And my prayer for you is that you would consistently submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus and, uh, and be empowered to overcome everything that comes your way, no matter where it's actually coming from. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.